Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 15, and I'll let you remain seated, or standing, rather, for the uh, longest passage of Scripture, maybe this year in Scripture reading, 22 verses, and uh, we'll start in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. I see left side Baptist church is pretty healthy looking, right side Baptist church is pretty healthy looking, but center Baptist church is missing in action this morning here, so I'll I'll preach this way uh, this morning here, of course, and uh, I'm glad that you're here, left side Baptist and right side Baptist. And uh, pray for Senator Baptist, as well, if you would, please, all right? And uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, allow me to begin reading. And of course, would you read with me, please, the even-numbered verses, beginning verse number 12, all the way to 32. And we'll try to stop at our punctuation, or pause at our punctuation, and uh, read with understanding and clarity. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, and reading responsively. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the young, young son, younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough? And despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son when was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you might take this parable of the prodigal and speak to every heart that's here this morning. Lord, bless each parent, each grandparent. I pray for a blessing upon each child that's here, each grandchild. Lord, we pray for the prodigal. Lord, we know that there's a little bit of prodigal in all of us. Lord, we humble ourselves this morning. Holy Spirit of God, do what only you can do in the preaching of thy word, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Luke chapter 15, if you turn there. And Bob and Kim, let me thank you for sitting in the middle to be the center, center Baptist church here. We got somebody sitting in the center. And it kind of goes along with the message here in regards to the subject at hand this morning on the ninth uh, message on me and my real family. 
And uh, I want to remind you that there's a little bit of prodigal in all of us that was uh, in the prayer, and it'll be the thesis for our, uh, the message here. To, but I, I have a theory, and I was with a, a certain church on Wednesday night. I already mentioned it once. And on Friday night, uh, Jonathan and Laura, that's my daughter, my middle daughter, of course, and son-in-law, they had 70 people at their house on Friday night. They had a Friendsgiving. I never even heard of it, the term before. But they invited a lot of their church family, and then they invited their next-door neighbors to come to Friendsgiving. Everybody brought, some brought turkeys, some brought hams, some brought mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing and all that good stuff. And they had a great get-together and a great way to integrate people together and, uh, with uh, those that are Christian or churchgoers and those that are in the, the heathen land of the neighborhood and so forth. And uh, so it was just a great time together. But uh, back to the church, I was talking to Pastor Smith on Friday night uh, there at the Friendsgiving, of course, and uh, <clears throat> he's been a, excuse me, <clears throat> I'll get there, excuse me, one of my ushers, one of you guys, who can get that bottle of water for me, I think I need one here, my office there, Mike, you know where those waters are, would you give me one please, there, all of a sudden I'm better, <clears throat> that's embarrassing, now where was I? Oh, yeah, I was just giving away an introduction. I have a theory. I was talking to Pastor Smith, and uh, church tendencies come and go and so forth, and I already mentioned left side Baptist church and right side. I didn't know we were going to have such a big gap in the middle uh, this morning here. Center Baptist church is missing. And uh, here's my theory, and Pastor Smith is talking, and I'll just tattle on him, and, of course, another pastor that I was there Wednesday night, he would probably say the same thing. We have a lot of people missing in action. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Let me just... Hold on here, just, just a minute here. I don't normally do water, but uh, that's good. I, I want a bottle of water. We got plenty of them back there, and I'm teasing. Okay, where was I? I'm going to finish this story here. This is all an introduction. Man, am I off to a bad start? But uh, here's my theory: When Jesus healed the ten lepers, how many came back to say thank you? Nine, they were healed for their whole life. They never, nobody had ever touched them before. And uh, now they're free, and they're, they're missing in action. It kind of reminds me of, and I'm not preaching to you because you're here, but uh, 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 symbolically speaking, nine-tenths of Christianity, they're the center Baptist church. They're all missing in action. God's children are uh, one out of ten come and say thank you. And I'm glad you're one of those one out of ten this morning. And I want to deal with this subject of the, the story that we're all familiar with, the prodigal son, the, the, the parable of the prodigal as we know it. And that's the key word, the word prodigal, except for you won't find the word prodigal in the Bible. It's not here, it's not in the Bible, it's not in our text, of course. But the whole story is about the, the prodigal son, of course. We know it so well. Let me give you a definition and way of introduction this morning here, and we'll get right to it on this ninth message on me and my real, or me and my, not my perfect, but me and my real family. I want you to give the, 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 the dictionary definition of prodigal is simply this adjective for recklessly extravagant, characterized by wasteful expenditure, yielding abundantly or just letting loose, letting go, just, just let it all hang out, do whatever you want, the, the prodigal, luxuriant, living far above your means until you have no means. The noun form, one who gives lavishly and foolishly. Now here's the truth. I want to give you the end of the message at the beginning. If you don't get nothing else, get this down. And then get the punchline down at the very end of the message. But get this down. The truth is, there is at least a little bit, and I put in parentheses on purpose, sometimes a lot. There's at least a little bit, in many cases a lot, of prodigal in all of us. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the God I love. Uh, the prodigal son, he is us. He is me. He is, uh, he's our, some use psychology terms, he's our inner child. He's our problem teenager. Don't raise your hand, but have problem teenagers in your family. Don't raise your hand. Don't want to see it. He's our freedom-loving friend. The prodigal is every man. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so the truth is, and you probably knew this already, there's a little bit and probably a lot of prodigal, rebel, 
in all of us. Now, when we think of that word prodigal, we usually think it in a negative term, but here's the, here's the punchline, here's the dig. There's a little bit of prodigal in all of us, including God. Now, that should shock you. That's the shocker, including God. Because we always use that word prodigal in a negative context, like we use the word lust in a negative context, but there's a positive lust. We use the word pride in a negative context almost always, but there's a positive pride. And there's, we use the word prodigal. When we think of prodigal, we, see, we, see, we think of waywardness, the, the extravagant, uh, uh, recklessly extravagant, uh, letting it all hang out. They use some 60s or 70s slang. But with God, there's prodigal. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, we'll get to when we get to the third person of our story. So let's, I know this story is familiar to so many of us here and most, most everyone in this room, as a matter of fact. In this chapter of Luke 15, we have this parable of the lost sheep, verses 1 to 7, the lost coin, verses 8 and 9. And then, of course, the parable of the prodigal or the lost son, as sometimes he's known as. I wanted you to notice the three characters are identified in verse number 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. We know the certain man in the middle of our story is none other than the father of the house. And the two sons, obviously, we read about the younger in the next verse. And of course, we'll read about the older. So let's talk about the prodigal son, first of all. The prodigal son, verses 11 through or verses 12 through 19, rather, we read in details about the prodigal son, or the younger son, as he's called. Notice with me as we begin, verse number 12, the Bible says, and the younger of them said to his father, now this is conjecture, we don't know how many years younger he was than his, his older brother. He could have been a year younger, he could have been 10 years younger, we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, right now, we, we were with our grandchildren, sorry for the illustration again, but we were with Henry Lincoln, he's Henry's four, three, something like that. And his idol in his life is his big brother, Bradley. And uh, mom said, uh, his mother said to him, Henry, who do you love more, mom or Bradley? And he, no, no question, he's Bradley. And uh, he, he loves his bigger brother right now. He wants to be like his bigger brother. Uh, and, but uh, his bigger brother has responsibilities. Third one's 13, one's four. There's a huge age gap. We don't know the age gap here, but... There is no doubt an age gap, and notice what happens in verse number 12 as we begin. And the younger of them said, this prodigal son said to his father, Father, give me. There's where the problems begin. Give me, give me, give me. Give me the portion of goods that falleth me. Give me what I deserve. You deserve a spanking. You deserve a chastening, probably. But he was talking about his inheritance, and he divided unto them, and he, the father, divided unto them his living. Notice with me, first of all, in verse 12, I think we can derive that we become like the prodigal, and I'm like him when I begin to despise my father's house. He said, I've had enough of this household. I've had enough of the father's house. You know, millions of Christians say, I've had enough of church. I don't know, I've been so sick and tired of meeting Christians they claim to be Christians, whether they are or not, and only God knows. And they says, you know, I love God, but I just don't do his church. I don't love church. Too many hypocrites in church. They're the chief hypocrites themselves by getting out of church. They despise the house of God. Now, why did he begin to despise his father's house? There could be numerous reasons why he despised his father's house. Maybe he had more fun at his friend's houses than he did at his father's house. Because maybe he had chores at his father's house. Maybe he got to play around at his friend's house. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But for some reason, he began to despise the father's house. How many millions of Christians, you know, if it's true, I don't think it is. But last, I mean, this is 10, 15-year-old Pew Research polls, you know. But 74%, 74% of all Americans claim some form of Christianity of some sorts. That's everybody, the potpourri of, from Catholicism all the way through all of Christianity and some 74 million, something like that, or 72 million claim to be born again. If that was the case, my friends, we would need an auditorium five times this size to fill everybody just in our region, our area, that need to come to the house of God that claim to be. But people are not in God's house, and the prodigals are leaving God's house, and they, they, they despise God's house. They, they like the, the athletic house better or the fun house better or the, the playground better. They... they, 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 they they begin to look at the father's house as a place of blessing. 
as opposed to a place of, of, of worship. And we now have folks, and I'm just telling you right now, we have an entertainment. Uh, I was online here just a week or two ago, and uh, I saw a certain church having a comedian in. And uh, I said, boy, I wish I could be a comedian. I always wish I could be funny, but I, uh, God didn't call me to be funny. He called me to preach the gospel. And so I, I can at least do that. But uh, people want an entertainment service. And maybe this guy got tired of the same, this son got tired of the same old mundane things day in and day out and day out. And he got more attached with, I want the benefits, he said, give me. I mean, did you come to the house of God to give me or to give? Today is Sacrifice Sunday, by the way. And uh, did you come for the blessing or did you come for the, first was the blessing, uh, Brother Parmar, Pastor Parmar uh, quoted the poem, I can't quote it all the way, uh, last week. First was the blessing, now it is the Lord. This younger son should have been in love with his father who had raised him all his life and had taken care of him and protected him and blessed him and was going to be, continue to be a blessing for him. But he began to, I become like my prodigal, a little bit of prodigal in all of us. We become like the prodigal son when I begin to, or when we begin to despise the father's house. Then I want you to notice, secondly, verse 13. And not many days, so the Bible says, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He got his inheritance. Now the question is, why would God give us, why would the father give us his inheritance now? It should be after he dies, right? Well, in the story, the father, for one reason or another, he gave us, listen, we get to go to heaven, a perfect heaven. We get to go to streets of gold forever and ever and ever and ever. If we had everything crummy down here for the rest of our earthly life, we got heaven to look forward to. But God gives us good things down here. We're going to walk on streets of gold up there, but God gives us some gold down here. And then for one reason or another, the father gave his son the inheritance. And the Bible says that he went, verse 13, not many days after that he gathered all together and took his journey, notice it says, into a far country. And there... In the far country, he wasted his substance with riotous living. I, uh, we become like the prodigal son when we keep taking additional steps away from home. One step leads to another step. He went, the Bible says, he went to a far country. Think Lot, Abraham's nephew. He looked into the well-watered plains of Sodom. The next thing you know, he's living in Sodom. You know the story. And he's living right in Sodom and Gomorrah. He's now sitting at the gate. He's this official within the gate. It's amazing how far away a Christian can get from God. I've given the illustration. I could give you his name, but a certain person I've used as an illustration 50 times, no doubt. Maybe more than that. I don't know. But I went to college with, I went to grew up with a certain young man that was called to preach at a young teenage age. And by the time he was 19, he was preaching regularly every Sunday in church. He was living for God, and he was, uh, he was 19 going on 29 in the right way. And his last Sunday he was in church was on Easter Sunday. He was, he was the keynote speaker at a fairly large church, fairly large church, maybe a couple hundred people, which was large for a 19 or 21-year-old 20, to be preaching at. Make a long story short, uh, he got in his car. I won't go through all the details of what happened, but, but he got in his car right after Sunday morning, after he preached Easter Sunday morning. He got in his car and he drove 1,200 miles to Louisiana. And by Tuesday night, he was in Louisiana. And by Wednesday, he was on an offshore oil rig out in the Gulf of Mexico. And by Thursday or shortly thereafter, by Friday, by Saturday, by Sunday, he began to lose his Christianity real fast. And when I say he lost his Christianity, he lost his Christianity. He went away from God so fast. Every step away, uh, he wouldn't mind me if I divulged, but it's too embarrassing to divulge the life that he went into and the debauchery that he went into and uh, married a, a wife and got divorced and had kids and had other kids and, and uh, had all that goes along with that lifestyle, the drinking and the drugs and the booze and, the, the, and all, that, all that is of the world. And he did it all. And when I saw him about a year or two later, I hadn't seen him for like two years and I didn't hardly recognize him. He didn't look like the preacher young man that I went to college with. He completely had changed and transformed himself into the new person that he was. 
He got so far away from God, and God, by his grace and mercy, he had a Jonah experience when he was about 35 years of age, and I've told the story, and how God got a hold of him, almost killed him. And he woke up one day and realized, and he looked up in his stars, and he came back to God. I'm glad that was 20-some years ago, 25 years ago now. I think it's been, he's been, in fact, it's been 25 years he's been living for God. But every step away this young man took was farther and farther away from the house of God. It's amazing how far away children of God can get from, from their heavenly father. Then we read to verse number 14. Let's begin to hurry a little bit here for a moment. And when he had spent all, that's what you do in Egypt. That's what you do when you go to the world. He wasted his substance in riotous living. The Bible says a mighty famine arose in that land, and he began to be in want and began to be in need. And he went and joined himself to a citizen, notice this, of that country. Not of his country, not of his home, but a citizen of that country. And we know it was a citizen of, that, of another country and not his country or his home because of the occupation that this man was in. He was a pig farmer, among other things. And he sent him unto his fields to feed swine, unclean. Again, it's so amazing how fast you can get away from the things of God. And now notice what happened. You know, he's got a little left at the moment. And um, he went and joined himself, or verse number 15, verse 16, and he would fain have filled the money supply has now run out. His inheritance has run out. He, he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. He lost all his friends. It's amazing when you get away from God, how, and if you've got money, how many friends you can have in a short period of time. But lose, those, lose that money, you see how fast you lose your friends. And that's what happens when you go to Egypt, you can go into the world. And the Bible says, verse number 17, it's a revelatory verse. And when he came to himself, listen, I've been trying to figure out how to get people to live for God for a long time. 33 years, I still haven't figured it out. But until you come to yourself, until you look yourself in the mirror and see who you really are and who God is, there's no hope for you. There's no change. There's no help. The Bible says that when he came to himself, he began to ponder. And, it said, and he said these words, and I think in his heart at first, how many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough and to to spare, and I perish with hunger. He said, how many hired servants have I? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness, the Bible says in the Psalms. I'd rather be a so-called hired servant. I'd rather be one of the lowest servants of God's house than to dwell in the tents of wickedness and have all that the world has but not serve the Lord. He said, even the servants in my father's house are better off now than I am. And then he says these words. He begins, he's talking to himself, I believe, at first. He says, and they have bread enough, and I perish with hunger. He wanted the world, and now he's got nothing but waste. He's got the swine's food. That's all he has, the husk of the, 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 husk of the corn. And I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, he's rehearsing this, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. The prodigal, if you're a prodigal, you'll never turn around until you realize that you've sinned against who your father is. You've sinned against him. You've sinned against heaven and before him. Your sin is before God, and it's a sin against your heavenly father. And he said, and went on to say this, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Let me give you letter C. The prodigal son, I'm like him when I begin to despise my father's house. The prodigal son, I'm like him when I keep taking additional steps away from home. But the prodigal son, I'm like him when I wait until I've lost almost everything before I start thinking of my father. Before I start thinking about my father. I have to be careful here as always. Every time I give these illustrations, pray for me. And I mean that. I need prayer in a particular area. There, and I've said this before, but it's true. I'm telling you. The longer I pass through, the, I still have, I have a harder time with this as I, I, I've ever had in my life. And I should be getting victory, and I, I don't get victory. I have, I can tell you probably five times in 33, three years of pastoring. Five times, if that many, I can use one set of fingers. The number of people that called me up on the phone to the church and said, hey, I don't go to your church, but God has been so good to me and blessed me so much. I got so much abundance and so much wealth in my, my uh, piggy bank that uh, I want to give uh, your church uh, 
X amount of dollars. How much money do you need? I've got that call. <laughs> I don't know if I ever got that call. But I get calls constantly over and over and over again. He, was, he came to church a couple weeks ago here and, uh, I, and uh, somebody walked in and they're not here this morning. We ended up giving them $50. They, they needed uh, this, that, and the other thing. Of course, they, they said they needed that. And uh, I didn't question them. They gave me their sad luck story. And here's where you gotta pray for me. I have to fight getting jaded. I have to fight getting, oh, here we go again. I know what you want. Just get to the point. You need money, right? All right and uh, you, need, uh, you need gas tank filter. You need food. You need, and I, listen, I'm not, I'm not preaching right now. I'm confessing right now. I get tired of the person that spent all in the last possible resort after they've, they've used up all their friends, after their friends have used them all up and they have nothing left. Then they come, finally come to the house of God. They're standing, they haven't even come to God yet, but they just come to the house of God because they know the last bastion of hope, hopefully. Well, this, this is the case of this prodigal. He spent all. He lost all. He, he lost his friends. He's, he's working with the people of another country. He's working in the world of the unclean, of the ungodly, the abomination. And it's when he's at the very bottom of his the proverbial barrel that he comes back to the Lord. He comes back to, he says, I think I'll, I think I'll go to my father. Maybe I can be a hired servant. Well, let's go to the, the last half of the story, starting in verse 25 for time's sake. And look at the last half of the, the second person in the story. Of course, this is the elder brother. Now, in the younger son, there's a little bit of prodigal in all of us, but in this elder brother, I'm like him in many ways too. And if you're trying to be a devout Christian, we have to be on guard. I don't have a problem. I don't have a desire to be like the prodigal son. But I do have a desire to be like the elder brother. Hear me. And it's a little bit of elder brother in most of us. Maybe all of us. Some of us for sure. Look at verse number 25. It says, now his elder brother, back into 24 for just a moment here. The father rolls out the red carpet for, his, for, for the, the, the wayward the prodigal son, of course. And they began to be married. They throw a party. Evening has now come. The elder brother has been out in the field evidently since the crack of dawn or maybe before dawn he left. Twelve hours have gone by and now he's, he's, he's probably sweating and he's worked in the field all day long. Again, day after day after day, six days a week. Now his elder son was in the field, verse 25, and he came and drew nigh to the, to the house he heard, and he heard music and dancing. And I want you to know, and he says, and he said unto him, verse 26 it is, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. Verse 28, and he was angry and would not go in. I am like my elder brother, back to verse 25, when I, I'm like him when I labor for reward and respect rather than out of love. Let me say that again. I, I'm like my elder brother when I labor for reward and for respect. All this younger, older brother wanted was respect. Hey, dad, I've been working faithful for all these years. And I am your oldest son after all, and I've been faithful, and I've, I haven't wasted my, uh, and you're throwing a party for my younger brother. Where you're, you're giving him respect. He's, he's played the prodigal. Look at me, I've been so good. Where's my respect? You know, sometimes in this life here, and I'll just say it this way, there are some people that are just naturally more blessed, materially speaking, financially speaking, in many other ways, talent speaking, then maybe you are or I am or whatever, what have you. And we can look and we can say, God, how come you didn't give me that many gifts? How come, God, you blessed them this way? How come they were born in the proverbial rich house? How come they got the great education? How come they get, uh, they, they, they get all the things that uh, the world looks at as, as covetous or desirable? And look at me, look what I get. And look, how I've been working faithfully and they, they've been... Playing, playing around, and they've been messing around, and they, they're not faithful in, in your house, and they never have been, and yet you bless them. That happens all the time, all day long. And then one of those playboys, pardon the slang, they get saved, 
and uh, they get, they, or they come back to the Lord if they were a Christian or they get saved and we ought to be rejoicing, but instead we're like, oh, you get to party all your, your, your life and I've been working in the field all my days. Listen, folks, there's not anything out there in this world that there's some things I admit to you and I don't brag when I say this, but there's some things I haven't delved into or not a lot of things I haven't delved into and I'm glad that God's delivered me from all those things. And I have a testimony, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm glad that I didn't go down into the pigsty in so many different areas. I don't boast or break, but I, I've touched that world, and I've been down in that world in my own way, and I realized, but by the grace of God. And, but here's this elder brother. He labored for respect rather than laboring because he, just, because he just had a genuine love for the Father. He's looking for reward. He's looking for respect, for, for reputation, for position, for... Uh, a claim for uh, for somebody that, that said what he's doing is worth it, and he didn't get that, and his brother's getting all that he should have got. We get to verse 28 again, and it says, verse 28, I read the first part of the verse, and he was angry. Notice the Bible says, and he would not go in. He wouldn't go into the festival, into the party, into the, the, the to his young, younger brother's uh, big party that's being thrown for him right now. But he got, so we're like our younger brother, or older brother, excuse me, elder brother. I'm like him when I get mad at other, about others receiving mercy and not get glad. When I get mad about others receiving mercy and not get glad, I, uh, again, must be invasive on purpose, but there's another church, another Baptist church somewhere in New England, I'll just say that and leave it, leave it be. And I was with this, person that had attended this good Baptist church for many, many years. And this is the type of man, I'll tell you that much, he's a man. And he's a man's man. I don't think he's ever taken a dime from anybody. Never been on a penny of welfare. Never taken a handout. He's a self-made man. He's, he's worked hard all his life and he's given and given and given and given and given and given. And for a number of years he went to a good gospel preaching church just like ours. But he saw people rip off other members of the church. He saw people that didn't pay their bills and took advantage of other people and so forth. And he got so tired after seeing those that named the name of Christ quit serving and get welcome back in the house of God after they messed up so many times. He got fed up with it and he just threw up his hands and said, I'm out of here, I'm out of church. If this is church, if this is Christianity, I don't want to have anything to do with Christians. And in, he was mad at the prodigal, and he became a prodigal himself. Here's this elder brother. He's mad at the prodigal. He becomes a prodigal himself. He says, I'm not going in. I'm not going to make merry. Our churches are to be hospitals, folks. We're to be spiritual hospitals, binding up the broken and healing the, the mending and forgiving. And, and that's all contrary to our elder brother nature. That's not who we are. We want judgment to happen. He got mad and, uh, when his brother was receiving mercy. And then verses 28, the latter part of the verse through verse 30, just glance at it quickly. Therefore came his father out, isn't that interesting, and entreated him. And he answering said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I may make merry with my friends. I mean, he was getting a little bit fresh with his own daddy, his own father. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, by the way, dad, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He's basically saying, hey, what gives? You're blessing him. You're giving him all this reward. You're, you're not only bestowing grace and mercy on him, but you're giving grace on him. Letter C on the worksheet, I'm like him, I'm like the elder brother when I feel my reward should be more than my brothers and that they should come today. Hey, I've already said it in a while, by the way, let me just say it one more time in a different way. Life is not fair. Some people are blessed and some people get advantage and some people have a, a, a better lineage and a better posterity and a better... Uh, everything than you might have or I might have, whatever. And you look at them and they're living a life of the prodigal and you say, why, something's not fair here. And then they get, maybe they get saved and 
They get in the house of God and we should be happy. And like, man, look at that. They've been messing around for 30 years with harlots and playing their own game and doing, going their own way. And now they're a Christian. They get just, just as much as I get. We start to get an attitude. And we, we think, and, and, and I think you already know this, but let me just say it. The thing with the younger brother is his party, his reward day just hadn't come yet. He was still coming. Hey, folks, Jesus said, behold, I come quickly, Revelation 22, and my reward is with me. There's, another, there's a day coming when God's going to reward his faithful servants. Maybe your day has not come yet, but your day will come. And God, God he most surely will repay and so this younger brother had an attitude because it just so happened to be his younger brother's party, and rightfully so, and not his party, and he, he thought he should get that. And, but instead, Lord, the father of the house said, no, you need to wait. Now that gets me to the, the, the certain man of verse number 11, who obviously is the father. But notice we've looked at the prodigal son, the prodigal brother, rather, the elder brother. But then I want you to consider thirdly the prodigal father. The prodigal father. Now I say, preacher, wait a minute. Are you suggesting that God is a prodigal God? Yes, I am. You take that word out of its negative context and put it back into a, what the word means. Listen to it again. Recklessly extravagant. I'm going from, I grew up and I love to tell the story, young people. And my, my grandmother had an outhouse when I was 15 years old. Uh, we, we lived right off of, I ran on dirt roads when I ran. Uh, my grandfather ro- raised chickens, and I remember seeing that on the chopping block, those, you know, laying that, cho- that chicken on the chopping block. I never did it, my grandfather always did it, but my grandmother could do it, just chop that chicken's head off. And they would run around for a little bit, by the way, no head on. I saw that. I, 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 I grew up on the poor side of things, but I didn't know I was poor. And the fact of the matter is, uh, but I'm, I'm going to streets of gold. I'm going to heaven. Uh, my God's going to give me a mansion. I'm going to go and I'm going to have everlasting life and perfect health and perfect eyes and perfect ears. And, and I'm going to be able to zap around. I'm going to be able to disappear and reappear. That's the God that I serve. He's going to do all that for me. And I want you to know that uh, this prodigal, he's prodigal father, he's recklessly extravagant. He's luxuriant. He gives lavishly, and if you think about it, in the context of the story, foolishly. What if you were the dad, and your son had played the wayward game for a while, for years, and then he came back and he spent all his inheritance? Wouldn't there be a penalty involved? Wouldn't there be a probation time if he came back, if you did forgive him at all? Wouldn't there be a, a, time of, a period of time where you've got to prove yourself? Oh, no, he says, no, bring the best robe. Get the best robe we got. Get a nice ring, and I want him to know that he's, he's in my family. And I want you to get the fatted calf, and I want you to, let's throw a party, and we're going uh, to let it all hang out. We're going to give him grace, and we're, we're going to give him mercy, rather, and then we're going to give him grace. It would have been enough if he, he would have, like his son requested, just make me one of the servants. No, you're not going to be a servant. You're my son. That's what you're going to be. And so, in verse number 20, notice it with me as we begin now, with the father, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was, that is the father, or probably when he, the prodigal son, was a great way off, notice, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Notice that I am like him, I'm like the prodigal father when I patiently wait for the return of the prodigal. We need to patiently wait. I, I probably overused. I've been using my family a lot in the illustrations in the last, well, for a long time now. I guess last year or two, it seems like more and more. Now I'm using my mom and dad, it seems like every week. My mom, as a 25-year-old teenage mother, of course, had four kids by the time she was 24 or 25, raised in an $8,000 home. That was a lot of money back in 1963 or something like that. And... Uh, my mom married a, was an unsaved woman and got saved at a, from a Billy Graham crusade on television, of all things. I was 25 years of age, began to go to church, began to pray, began to read her Bible. And for over 50 years, think about that. 50, in fact, I'll tell you, 50, 55, 56 years, 54 years to be, I think, if my math is correct. 
She prayed. She waited patiently for her father or for her husband to come to know Christ as Savior, to be a... I have to be careful here. I, the Bible says honor the father and the mother, but my dad in his unsaved days was not the best dad he could have been, but I choose to think of the positives of my father. Always chose to do that. You choose to do that too. But she waited patiently for or for her husband to come along. Wait patiently, like the prodigal father. He waited patiently there at his house. But then I want you to notice verse 21 to 23. Notice what it says here. That he, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But, my but the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us make merry, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Notice, secondly, that we're like the prodigal father when, I, when we are like him when we freely forget past follies. Now let me give you an illustration and explain real quickly. The prophet Hosea one of the minor prophets, was commanded to go out and marry, you know, most of you know the story, God commanded him to marry a harlot. And then not only did he have to marry a harlot, we have other names for that in our secular vocabulary, I won't use them. But then she, and I'm being kind, she cheated on him over and over again why she was supposedly, or he was her husband. And she had children by other men. I'm being as sterile as I can be in this story. And God said, they weren't his children. They weren't the, the father's legitimate children. But he says, he commanded Hosea, take them in anyhow. Make them your children. And he gave them specific names. An amazing story. We get to the end of the book of Hosea. And God, the analogy, of course, is Israel. It's like playing the, the spiritual harlot. And going away from God, and many Christians are going away from God and, and playing spiritual adultery, committing spiritual adultery and spiritual fornication with other gods of this world. And God says, when they come back to me, they're not his children to begin with. We're adopted into God's family, by the way. In Hosea 14 and verse number 4, the Bible says, the Lord Jehovah God says, I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away, away from him. This father freely forgot past follies. He didn't put it in his son's face. He threw a party. And then we get to verse 24. And it says this. My son was dead and he's alive. He was lost and is found. They began to make Mary. Verse number 31 and 32. And he said unto him, Son, talking to the elder brother now again, thou art ever with me. You're always with me, son, and I'll always be with you. And all that I have is thine. We are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. It was meet or it was proper that we should make merry, be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. The prodigal father, I'm like him when I patiently wait for the return of the prodigal. I'm like him when I freely forget past follies of my prodigal brother. I'm like him when I am always there and always rejoiceful when the penitent returns. It's interesting, and I've said this many times in different ways before, but I'll say it again. I'm not suggesting that we go prodigal to appreciate our Heavenly Father, but I am saying that we all have been prodigal one time or another, some more than others. And when we come back to the Lord, there's nothing good in going out into the world and sinning but I find this a strange irony that Christians that have fallen hard, when they come back, they become more of a sweeter Christian many times. The harder they fall, the more grace that they have in their heart and life. And it's just an irony. It shouldn't be that way. But the elder brother needed to get some grace in his life. He needed to have some extravagant prodigal father in him and throw a party for his wayward brother that came back. And I'm talking to parents this morning, and we're summarizing just six sound bites and we'll be done. Every parent is at some time the father of 
the unreturned prodigal with nothing to do but keep his house open to hope. I won't ask, would never ask for hands, but some of you, everybody here has a prodigal somewhere in your life, a brother, a sister, a child, grandchildren. I don't mean to get silly or funny here at the end here, but I noticed and I just was rehearsing yesterday in my mind a certain somebody that went prodigal, went wayward many, many years ago. Do you know prodigal children end up usually becoming prodigal parents? They, they raise children and now I'm working on a third generation. Their children are now having children and they're all prodigal. Prodigals beget prodigals. That's a sad thing. They don't come back to the Lord. And the longer they go, the, more, the ripple effect just keeps going and going and going. Let me give you six sound bites and we're done. What to do when children and grandchildren are prodigal? Won't have your hand raised, but every one of us, how many of you have a prodigal? And don't raise your hand, please, in your family. How many have several prodigals in your family? We'd have to start raising our feet and our, our hands in many cases, sadly. What do you do? Well, number one, thank you very much. Somebody said it. Pray for them. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Don't give up praying. Keep on praying. Number two, stay in the Father's house. That is, stay in church yourself. One of the stupidest things, and the most hypocritical and the most ridiculous things I see is where prodigal, or rather Christian parents have prodigal children and they're out of the house of God and they get so discouraged or frustrated or wondering, they get out of church themselves. And then they're worrying about their prodigal. I, I was on the phone just in the last two weeks. I better be careful, this is being taped. And just, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, somebody talking to me about, oh, pray for my loved ones. They get back in church. They're not in church themselves. How's that work? The younger brother, he stayed outside. The father came out to get him and brought him in. Number three, this is a very important point here. We didn't have time to hardly touch on this, but this, don't enable them while they're in their fire country, while they're, in the, while they're being a prodigal. Don't enable them. That's where we, sometimes we call it tough love, don't we? We don't see the father going to the elder, younger brother, but we do see the father coming out to the, younger, or the elder brother. There's a difference there. You notice that. The father stayed at home and prayed, stayed, and didn't enable his prodigal until he came to the end of himself, until he came to himself. Number four, this is very important, and it's, again, not, not trite but true for sure. Always love them. We probably overuse the phrase, but I'll say it again. We love the sinner, we hate the sin. Some of you have young people or family members or let me get specific children and grandchildren that have gone, chosen, uh, the world has different names for these things, alternate lifestyles. They've gone into the way of the world. We can't approve it. We can't approve it. We can't say, oh, that's, all, well, that's fine, teach his own. No, sin is still sin. The far country is still the far country. And you, we can't condone it, but we can pray for them. We can always love them because that's our Heavenly Father. I will love them freely. Then number five, if they, this is very, this is, they're all important, I guess, but this is particularly important. You've got to come to the place where you're in your Father's house praying for them, staying faithful in your Father's house, not enabling them, loving them, but never if they never return, love your father no matter what happens to your children. You see, in the story, this story, the prodigal comes back. But Absalom never did come back. Absalom was in battle to try to kill his own daddy. You know the story. Absalom never did repent. The hippie got hung. You know the story, most of you. And you're... Hippie, your prodigal, pardon the slang, may get hung. The prodigal may never come back. But you've got to determine, I'm going to live for God, and God is still righteous, and God is still right, and he's just, as, he's just and holy, and he's a good God, and he's a gracious God, and he's long-suffering and merciful, and he's always there. His arms are coming to me, all you there, and I'll give you rest. And lastly, and most properly, you see this extravagant this prodigal father, he was not like the conventional father. There's no probation period. He forgave and gave mercy and grace all in one, and he did it quickly. Notice, when they do return, love them quickly, 
and freely. Love them freely. You know, our church, if we're not careful, this is happening in any other church, you know, I want, and pardon me, I'm confessing, I'm close with the confession and, and pray for me again. I want good members. I want clean members. I want godly Christians. I want godly church members of Harvest Baptist Church. And all God's people said, that's what I want. But you know, we've got to be willing to take those that are not so clean. Those that are not so washed as we think they should be washed. We ought to be able to welcome back those that we have a hard time even tolerating. They may smell when they come in, no pun intended. They think the sun might have still had some stink on them from the, the pigsty, maybe so. But we're, we're, God's called us to a little bit of prodigal in all of us. Get that negative prodigal out and get that luxurious forgiveness and free, freeing pardon. And get that part of our vocabulary as well and uh, on our lifestyle as well. Love them freely as God loves us freely. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it seems to me like I've probably preached to the proverbial choir this morning, Lord. Most everyone in the sound of my voice is been saved for at least a period of time, I believe. Lord, I pray, Father, help us. We may have more problems of being like the elder brother than the prodigal. But Lord, maybe there's some that are playing the prodigal even there in their heart and life right now, Lord. They're prone to wander. Toying about leaving the house of God because it's more fun in the, the fun house than in God's house. More fun in the far country than it is in the Father's house. There's labor and work to be done here. There's a field to be harvested. Lord, help us to be, to love. Know that our reward is, Lord, someday in the, in the future. Lord, I pray for our family. pray for our prodigals. Lord, of our children and our grandchildren. Lord, help us to keep on praying, keep on loving. Don't enable. Lord, love them freely and unconditionally when they come back. Lord, uh, May we always put you first in our hearts and lives, and Lord, teach them that you are first in our heart and life no matter what. Pray you bless in our moments of invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing one first and last verse of page number 161 it is, and we'll sing just the first and last verse.